0: So we're, uh, tonight we're continuing on, on our, in our series on being human, and uh, tonight we're, we've got the, I've been given the title Wealth, I've got the title Wealth, and uh, we're in the middle of our 100 Days of Prayer uh, initiative, that, a prayer for awakening in our souls, in our city, in our land, and, and so in the month of, of January we thought about the different subjects in uh, response to asking God to awaken our souls. And in February, we're looking at the, the themes uh, in, in light of asking God to awaken our city. And uh, tonight, I want to look at that little prayer of Jabez. Um, some years ago, there was a little booklet came out, and everybody was buying the book, and it was a little the prayer of Jabez, it was called. So tonight, uh, I want to look at what the prayer of Jabez has to say, say into our lives as we approach uh, what our approach should be, what can we learn from that prayer uh, as we uh, go into our city to be a blessing in our city? So, I want to use, I want to start with the, the prayer from our 100 Days of Prayer handbook. So, as we come to God's Word, let us unite our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, once again, we pray for a great awakening in our souls, our city, and our land. May your people be awakened in prayer for the sake of our nation. We ask you to awaken our souls in confession of sin and repentance by your spirit and your word to your mission and call. We pray for an awakening in this great city of Belfast, that it would experience widespread revival in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, I guess the subject of wealth has been one that has been just a little bit controversial amongst Christians over the years. On the one end of the spectrum, we have those uh, folks renouncing all wealth and making vows of voluntary poverty. And at the other end of the spectrum, we have the the proponents of the prosperity gospel who are chasing after material wealth, it would seem, almost at the expense of everything else. Even in Scripture, we look there, we see uh, a great wealth of someone like Abraham. It tells us in Genesis 24, Laban, Abraham's servant, says, "'The Lord has blessed my master abundantly.'" And he has become wealthy. He has given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, male and female servants, camels and donkeys. It's quite an entourage. Abraham was a very wealthy man. And then we turn somewhere like in Luke chapter 9 where Jesus is sending out his disciples to proclaim the kingdom. And where he says to them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. And, and though, to be fair, if we, uh, we, there is something of a shift from the Old Testament away from material blessings and into the New Testament as, as, as Jesus reveals more spiritual blessings. In the Old Testament, people were more, more familiar with a, a, a more sort of material here and now type concept, whereas the New Testament develops an understanding of an eternity, an eternity in heaven with eternal spiritual blessings. And I guess as we talk about wealth, some people might also look to, you know, 1 Timothy chapter 6 where it talks about the love of money. You know, and this is a little misquote that's often made and people will say, you know, the, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And, and, and it's, or they'll say it's the root of all evil. But Jesus didn't say, Jesus didn't say the, root, the love of money is the root of all evil. He said the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So it's the love of money that's the problem. And it can be the root of different sorts of evil. We might think of Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount that, that we cannot serve both God and man, money, or God and mammon, as it says in you know, King James. But you cannot serve. We cannot serve both God and money. But again, Jesus is not saying that money is bad, but that serving, serving money is bad. As someone says, money is a good servant, but it is a rotten master. And that's what Jesus was getting at. It would seem that money is not bad. Wealth is not bad. These things are in themselves. They are neutral. It's how they are used. It's our, it's our attitude towards them and how we use them. So let's see what we can learn tonight from this, from our friend Jabez. We're reading from uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and just two verses, verses 9 and 10. And that's on page 404 of the church Bible, uh, or the words will be on the screen. So we see that uh, there's three and a half chapters, just to put this in context, this reading, there's three and a half chapters of names, of lists of names, genealogy. And then we come to chapter 4 and verse verse 9. And it says this, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez. And if your eyesight's better than mine, you'll see a little C beside that. And if you look down to the bottom in the footnotes, you'll see that Jabez sounds like the Hebrew for pain. So remember that, okay? His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I give birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Keep your hand, let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Jabez, that little footnote in our Bible, as I said, it tells us that Jabez sounds like the Hebrew for pain. Now, just what was his mother thinking? I've heard a few interesting names given to the children, you know, over the years. But wow, pain, pain. Can you imagine being called pain? I heard of one family up the country recently, and they had, had a, a little child. They had their first child, and, and he was a wee boy. And everybody was so excited. And, and the neighbors called in to, to, to ask the father. And they asked the father, well, what are you going to call him? And the father said, we're going to call him Nathan. And the neighbor looked at him and said, ach, you'll hitty call him something. <laughs> Country folk will probably get that one. But here is a, an example where it would have been better to be called Nathan than to be called Pian. In a time and a culture when names were important and literally, say, literally meant something, Jabez's mother gave him the name Pian. But you see, at least his mother gets a mention. In the middle of this genealogy which goes on and on and on, which mentions mostly men, and this has led some commentators to, to suggest that Jabez's father actually maybe wasn't even existent in his life. He just wasn't around. So, your mother calls you pain and your father isn't around. It's not exactly the sort of start that you would choose for yourself, is it? A dysfunctional family and a pain of a name. But, nevertheless, nevertheless, Jabez seems to have gotten over it because the Bible says that Jabez was an honorable man, more honorable than the rest of his family. We find him, as I said, in this list of genealogies, you know, so-and-so was the father of so-and-so and so-and-so and -and and father of so-and-so. Three and a half chapters. Uh, There's this just long list of names and, and then there's Jabez and a little comment about him that almost kind of trips us up as we hurtle on through the list. But there he is standing out, shining like a star in this long list of anonymous Characters. And you see, I think as we approach the middle of our hundred days of prayer, it is significant that coincidentally, we are looking at someone tonight who is remembered not for something that he did, not for some outstanding achievement, but for a prayer. Jabez is remembered for a prayer. He didn't win a great battle or erect a great building, he simply prayed a prayer. But out of this list of nine chapters it goes on to, he alone is lifted out because of the prayer that he prayed. And as we reach the middle of our hundred days of prayer, it's, it's good to be reminded of that and of the importance of prayer. And I think God is saying to us here tonight, keep praying, keep pressing in, keep praying. So our 24-7 prayer uh, starts again or started again today. And it will run through until next Sunday. And if you haven't already I signed up, then let me encourage you to sign up for a, a one hour slot. You can do that in the vestibule this evening. Also, tonight, you can pick up a, a, a ticket for the event at St. Anne's Cathedral on, the, on Wednesday, the 19th of February. Let's keep praying. So, what can we learn from this prayer tonight? What difference does it make in how we view wealth and how we seek to bless the city that God has placed us in? Well, Jabez's prayer is in four parts. The first point we will consider then is this. It says, Jabez prayed for God to bless him. Jabez sought God's blessing in his life. He wanted God's best and he believed that God wanted to give him it. I think Jabez remembered his ancestor Abraham. When the Lord had said to Abraham in Genesis 12, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be. You will be a blessing. Jabez sought the blessing of God that he might be a blessing to the world. You see, that's the thing for us to remember. We are blessed to blessed and that goes for whatever wealth, for whatever we've been blessed with. We've been blessed to bless. See, the Bible tells us that the whole reason for our our existence is to be a blessing to God and a blessing to the world. You remember what Jesus said when he was asked, "What what are the greatest commandments? And he summed up the whole of all the commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. That's it. We're not here for ourselves. I'm not here for myself. The world does not revolve around me. Or you. Our purpose of existence, for existence, is to be a blessing to others. And that's what revival will look like in Belfast, people loving one another. I think sometimes we have have pictures, we have scary pictures of revival looking like people falling over and all sorts of crazy stuff. And you know what? That might be there. Sometimes that happens. But if the greatest commandments are to love one another and love God, then revival will look like people loving one another. And you see, there's nothing wrong with praying for God to bless us financially or however else if it is for the purpose of being a blessing, it's not wrong to pray for wealth if we want to bless other people with that. You see, Jabez also remembered his ancestor Jacob. And Jacob wrestled with God, and God changed his name to Israel. In Genesis chapter 32, when, when, God, told, uh, when God told him to release him, Jacob says, I will not let you go. Jacob wrestled with God, and he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And from that point on, Jacob entered the promised land as, as, the name, as Israel and prospered so that his, his descendants blessed the whole world through unbelievable spiritual blessings. Through Israel and his offspring, God's Messiah came into the world. You see, God wants to bless us, but do we want the blessing? Sometimes we need to wrestle with God for it, we need to wrestle in prayer. And maybe be like Jacob and say, I'm not letting you go, Lord, until you bless me. And notice that it says here too that Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me. You see, he cried out to the God of Israel for blessing because he knew that the God of Israel was well able to do that. The God of Israel had blessed the people of Israel as he had set them free from slavery. The God of Israel had blessed them as he had provided everything for them, materially and spiritually, as as they had wandered in the desert for 40 years. The God of Israel had blessed them as he had led them into and given them a land of their own in Canaan. I think that Jabez knew that the God of Israel was able to bless them. In fact, Jabez knew that every blessing comes from the God of Israel. And this is something, folks, that we too will want to be aware of. As we pray, every blessing, every blessing that we have, our wealth materially and spiritually, even our very next breath, it's all a gift from God. It's all a gift from God, and this will surely impact on how we use it. Seeing everything as a gift from God to be used for the fulfillment of His greatest commandments, to be used for the love of God and the love of neighbor. And I might be a little bit naive here, but I really believe that that was why Jabez prayed the second part of his prayer. Jabez prayed that God would enlarge his territory. To increase his territory would mean that he would have more neighbors. More neighbors to love and serve and bless. For he was, it tells us, an honorable man. And I think as an honorable man, he wasn't thinking of himself, he wasn't thinking of like a bigger garden. He was thinking about the welfare of others. He was thinking about spreading his wealth ever out amongst more people, thinking about serving more people. You see, with borders pushed back, Jabez would have a greater sphere of influence, a greater sphere of influence for God and for good. Jabez wanted to be used by God more than anything else. Is that our prayer? Is that our desire? Is there a longing, a passion inside us to be used by God in ever-increasing measure, no matter what it takes? Are we wanting God to use our life in this world? Then let us pray for God to enlarge our territory and increase our sphere of influence for God and for good. We can ask the Lord to increase our passion for serving and that he would give us all the necessary resources to do that, and he's promised to do that. We want to be God's people, being used by him in a city that desperately needs him. We pray that our lives and our wealth would be used up in serving God by serving the needs of others. We want to be part of what God is doing in our city. You see, in a, even in a time of discouragement, God spoke through the prophet Isaiah and he said to his people in, chapter, in Isaiah 54, he said, enlarge the place of your tent. Israel, we getting a little bit inert, inward looking. God challenged him. He said, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. You see, God wants to God wants us to see beyond our circumstances. He wants to enlarge in our lives. Enlarge in our lives. Individually and collectively as a congregation. Will we join him in praying for believing for his blessing for this? The third thing we see is this. Jabez prayed for for God's hand to be with him. You see, Jabez knew that he was praying for something that was far, far bigger than he could ever do himself. Jabez was praying for something so big, so big that it could only happen if God's hand was with him to accomplish it. What would we pray for tonight, folks, if we knew that we couldn't fail? What is God speaking to you about that maybe you've been trying to ignore a little bit? What have you dreamed about? but dismissed because you thought it was just too big. Begin to pray for the hand of God to be with you so that you can accomplish it. Let us begin to pray more for the hand of God to be with us so we can accomplish our dreams, His dream. The great English missionary William Carey, he said, attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. And you see, hopefully the things that we will attempt individually and collectively will be things so big, so great, that when it comes to pass, we will have to say, this had to be the hand of God. This had to be the hand of God because there's no way I could have done this myself. And the fourth part of of Jabez's prayer. Jabez prays that God would keep him from harm. Some of the commentaries would say that the NIV version of the Bible here misses the point a wee bit when it says, keep me from, har- keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. You see, the, the, the King James Version, the New King James Version, puts it like this, keep me from harm that I might not cause pain. And there's a difference there, isn't there? And it's a wee play on words, as we know that it tells us that his mother had named him Jabez, saying, I give birth to him in pain. You see, Jabez had caused pain. But he didn't want to cause any more pain. Instead, he wanted his life to be, and his wealth to be, to bring a blessing. And folks, we, I guess, should ensure the first and foremost that what we are doing and what we are doing with what God has given us is not bringing pain to anyone because we are blessed to bless. That's the very core of this. We are blessed to bless. So so being blessed to to bless, how do we best share that blessing then? Well, I I want to make a few suggestions. Of course, these are not exhaustive. There are many ways, many ways. But just let me briefly share with you three things that I believe God has led on my heart for us for tonight and for going forward. As As God has blessed us generally, as we have been blessed to bless, so we will seek to share generously. As John said in his first letter, we love because he first loved us. You see, everything we do is response to God, is response to God's love for us, is response to how He has first blessed us. And when we see everything as a gift from God, we will want to respond to that by by sharing what we have generously, both in, in in showing our love for God and our offering to Him as act of worship through the church, and also in showing our love for our neighbor through generous giving either directly to those in need or through charities or missions of our choosing. And there are, of course, many ways of sharing generously through the church, and many people here at Orangefield are doing that, and this is a very generous church family. It is. We had a wonderful concert here just last night, and as well as being a lot of fun, it raised over 2,000 pounds to be used amongst the poorest of the poor in India. And I want to say a massive thank you to all who helped with the the concert, and to all who took part in the concert last night. It translates into massive blessing for people in India. And I'm not going to labor this. We've been chatting a little bit about our giving in the morning services, but just as a session have invited the congregation to reflect on our giving, so folks will receive a letter just asking and encouraging us to pray through our giving and setting out there how we can easily and effectively do that. So after we've shared generously, if we are blessed to have something to, to save, then I want to just talk briefly about that. We want to save ethically. And here, you know, this may, may or may not be something you've really thought about very much. But I want to bring onto your radar the idea of ethical investment. It's a very practical thing. We may not all have a load of surplus money for saving. We, we may not, and sometimes that's, that's the way it is. But I guess most of us actually have some sort of savings account or ISA or pension plan. And I think saving ethically is something that we really need to think about if we're in a position to contribute to a pension or pension fund or whatever. You see, St. Paul writes to the Philippians, he says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I want to suggest that if Paul was speaking here tonight, he would also add, invest. Invest in such things. You see, we will want to see if we want to invest our our monies and funds and pensions that support businesses that bring a blessing and not a pain. Businesses which care for creation, which care for others rather than causing pain or destroying as I say, I don't know if you've thought much about this, but I think, I think we should be. Because, you see, as Christians, we might find ourselves by default just making an investment into a fund or a pension or a savings schemes by, by the same criteria as everyone else. We might just ask, well, how can I get the best return for my investment? But I think as Christians, we need to be asking a better question than that. I think we need to be asking How does God want me to invest what he has given me to bring the greatest blessing? Isn't that the question we should be asking? And there's nothing wrong with seeking a financial return. Didn't Jesus talk in one of his parables about investing and making an interest, receiving an interest? But the question is, what are we investing in? Is our investment causing pain? Would we be happy? Would our Heavenly Father be happy if our money was being invested in companies which deal in tobacco or alcohol or gambling or pornography or animal testing or nuclear weapons or environmental degradation or oppressive political regimes? And tonight, are we sure that our money is not being invested in those things? Yes, we can invest in business. Yes, we can expect a positive financial return. But if we don't, if we don't want our money to be used to promote activities which are immoral or unbiblical or destructive of people or places, then we need to be a little bit more intentional. And the thing is, this is an area where we need to be proactive, where we need to take the initiative and do a little homework or at least ask a reputable advisor to do it for us. Because you see, my independent financial advisor, or my bank manager, is unlikely to ask me directly, Gary, are you okay if your pension fund is supporting the deforestation of the Amazon? Or, or are you okay if your money, if your uh, pension fund is being used to prop up a chain of bookie shops? He's not going to ask me that, is he? But are we sure our savings aren't? And t- unless we take the initiative, these are the things that our money could be supporting. But thankfully, there's a growing sector in the market that enables us now to invest ethically. Companies that are supporting ethical activities, socially responsible, sustainable businesses. So you can search online or you can ask your advisor. Ask them about ethical investment, socially responsible or sustainable investment. You can be better informed. You can choose your investments to be ethically, socially sustainable and not to cause pain. And finally, the third thing that we are blessed to bless our city and that we will seek to do is we will seek to shop locally. We talk about um, application. We'll hear some very practical ones, right? Isn't it? Shop locally. You see, the role of shops and services and businesses and wealth creation and wealth distribution in blessing our city is vital. I think we ought to be encouraging business people and businesses in our city to use our creative ability, to use the gifts that God has given them, to be a blessing to people by creating opportunities for workers to grow in their own gifts and abilities. Because you see, in addition to creating wealth, businesses create meaningful and productive employment, giving people value and dignity. Without business, humans would fail to fulfill the command to rule over, subdue, and take care of the earth that was given us in the garden and for all time. And so I believe that as businesses thrive and expand and attract life and wealth into perhaps otherwise dying and decaying areas, they can have a vital role, an absolutely vital role in reviving communities and reviving our city. So as we encourage business in the city, let us think about supporting business locally, shopping locally. It helps to create community. Community. I love bumping into someone in the shop on a Monday or a Tuesday that I've been worshiping with on a Sunday. Using local shops and services gives us opportunities for fellowship, for sharing the good news of the gospel with the community around us. Shopping locally is good for the environment as well as goods are produced and purchased locally without the need for transport, for stuff halfway around the world. With all the attendant fuel consumption, pollution, roadkill costs that involves. Shopping locally helps to provide much more positive environments. Where shops are open and communities are thriving. Rather than surrounded by closed and dilapidated buildings covered in graffiti and pigeon poo. I'm sure we can do something more positive than that, can't we? And I know that it's very easy to order things online nowadays. But let's be thinking, let's be actually supporting our local businesses when at all possible, even if it costs a little extra. Because what, what price community? What price thriving local businesses revived areas of our city? And we know the the saying, don't we folks, use them or lose them? So just as I finish, let me summarize. Like Jabez, we pray that God will bless us. Like Jabez, we recognize that all wealth comes from God. And blessed to bless, we seek to share generously, save ethically, and shop locally. And as we do, as we do, I really believe that we will be helping to create an environment of blessing in our city, through which the Lord will work, will move to bring awakening and renewal to Belfast and beyond. For truly, truly, greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done in this city. Shall we pray together for a moment? Let us pray. Let's just take a moment in God's presence and in the silence to respond in however he's prompting us or leading us right now. God of Israel, oh that you would bless us and enlarge our territory. Let your hand be with us and keep us from harm that we might not cause pain. And as you bless us, Father, let us remember that every blessing comes from you and that we are blessed to bless. So let us be a blessing to our city. And as we do so, let us seek to share generously, to save ethically, to shop locally. Always praying as we do for an awakening in this great city of Belfast, that it would experience widespread widespread revival. And Father, we We thought this morning of that symbol of that Celtic symbol, that ancient Irish and Scottish and Welsh, and that ancient symbol of these lands of your Holy Spirit being the wild goose. And so, Father, we ask that you would set the wild goose free. Come, Holy Spirit. Set the wild goose free once again in this land. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.